If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Hey, music lovers. The Cannamom Show podcast, in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars, is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at LampkinGuitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's a hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. I don't have children of my own, but I certainly have a lot of littles. And I have witnessed and lived with my fair share of angsty tweens and teens addicted to vapes, video games, and smartphones. And I know so many people personally who were put on pharmaceutical drugs during their developmental years. And so many of those same people struggle with anxiety and depression as adults. And I feel strongly about the possibility of cannabinoid therapy as an optimum solution for so many of the reasons that parents and pediatricians turn to pills. Now, I'm not calling any parents bad. I know everyone is doing the best they can based on the information they have access to. So if you have littles in your life with aggression and possible screen addiction, I created this podcast for you. It's also for you parents exploring medical cannabis options to treat your child's autism, cancer, epilepsy, chronic pain, and more. We're talking with today's guest about the use of cannabinoids as a medical treatment for pediatric care. Dr. Anne-Marie Wong is a Miami, Florida native. She received her Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering at MIT 
and then finished medical school at the University of Miami. Dr. Wong completed her internship and residency at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in NYC. Dr. Wong moved to Beijing in 2000 to work at the Beijing United Family Hospital for several years, then back to New York to work at the Charles B. Wang Community Health Center in Chinatown. After living in Amsterdam for a few years, she moved back to Miami, where she's worked at Pediatric Associates for the past nine years. Dr. Wong is also a medical cannabis doctor at Medverde's Medical Cannabis Clinic. She and I also discuss the Florida medical cannabis market, and Dr. Wong shares firsthand experience as a pediatrician prescribing medical marijuana in the state of Florida. But before we dive in... I want you to know about the latest offers from some of my casually baked partner brands, like Dr. Fossum's Pet Care. If your four-legged child is anxious or aging and suffering from chronic pain, shop Dr. Fossum's Pet Care and save 20% using promo code CASUALLYBAKED20. If you're shopping for a new piece of glass that's sophisticated, functional, and hello, easy to clean, you want session goods. As a Casually Baked listener, you will save 10% every time you shop with Session Goods. It's so beautifully designed for a perfect handoff of bong and lighter. I'll go so far as to say that I think it's the perfect bong for a smoke circle. And if you're looking for a solid source for CBD supplements, check out Aspen Green. And because you're going to save 20% every time you shop, it makes taking CBD daily more doable. Aspen Green offers organic, small-batch, Colorado-grown CBD products for every member of your family. And whether you're getting a massage or giving yourself one, you deserve a little MJ relief in your life. Save 10% on the muscle rub I co-designed with my bestie and formulation scientist extraordinaire, Dr. Monica Vielpondo. Shopping podcast affiliates is a win-win because you save money on the things that you want, and that supports me and the production of this show. So shop these and other podcast affiliates at casuallybaked.com. And if you're listening on your phone and you like to shop on your phone, just scroll down in the episode notes in whatever podcast app you're in to find links to these offers and promo codes. Okay, that's it for now. So all you gotta do is settle in. It's time to get casually baked. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Dr. Anne-Marie Wong, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Thanks for having me today. Yes. So I haven't had anyone come on and talk about pediatric medical cannabis yet. So I think this is going to be an interesting conversation, but also hopefully a blueprint for parents to follow when they are having to make some you know, difficult considerations about their own child's health and well-being. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of parents come to me and they're just seeking the best for their kids. So you are a pediatrician based in Miami, Florida, and you focus on medical cannabis. So 
to start out this conversation, you know, if a parent is considering um, medical cannabis as a protocol, what's that first step like, you know, coming into your office, having the conversation? So, um, yeah, we, we, um, you know, we offer parents a couple different options. Um, and I kind of really just try to, you know, see the patient and talk to the parents about what options that they're open to, because in the state of Florida, cannabis is medically legal. Um, but I also have patients who would like to just try CBD first. So I also help guide uh, parents and patients with uh, just CBD that comes from hemp that's, you know, over the counter. It really depends on the patient. And I, I you know, will see the, the parent and the patient and uh, talk to them about their history, their condition, what symptoms they're going through. And then I talk to them about, you know, what CBD is and medical cannabis. And based on the child's condition, we, we then discuss what is the best route or what is, you know, especially depending on the parent's preference. So are you only seeing patients that are um, including a cannabis protocol, or are you just a, a general pediatrician as well? I'm a general pediatrician, but at my office at Medverde, I really just only uh, treat patients for CBD and medical cannabis, but I also do uh, general pediatrics on the side as well. Okay, excellent. So, you know, how does a parent find out, um, you know, their child has an illness, how do they find out if cannabis or CBD could be a good treatment tool? Like, where do people start? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of parents who are come to me either through their primary doctor, their pediatrician, or uh, sometimes their specialist, such as their pediatric neurologist or pediatric psychiatrist, um, have made referrals to me. Um, there's other parents who have done a lot of research on their own reading or they've seen a documentary or something like that. And that kind of piques their curiosity. And so when parents call, sometimes I'll just talk to them on the phone first about, you know, what exactly that condition is, because, you know, for some things, pediatric, uh, you know, CBD or medical cannabis may not be a good choice for them. So I usually, you know, talk to the parents first and then we get an idea about what's going on. Um, it depends on the, usually the diagnosis. And based on that, we, you know, we can see if uh, cannabis is an option for them. So to just rip the bandaid off and have the conversation, we're talking things like epilepsy, autism, Tourette syndrome, spasticity and aggression and mood and, you know, communication difficulties and things like that. Those are the things that I know that medical cannabis is acceptable for children with. Do you agree? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And of course, we also have, uh, you know, pediatric patients who have cancer. A lot of parents will seek uh, medical cannabis. And, for. you know, I think where I would like to kind of dive into this conversation a little deeper is around the things like the um, social and communication issues and the aggression and things like that. I feel like kids spend so much time on a screen that they're not having a lot of social interaction, as much social interaction, I should say, as say we did growing up when we didn't have, you know, cell phones and, and things like that to distract us. So I think behaviorally, a lot of these things are happening just because 
children are socializing differently. And then so many of them get sent to a doctor and end up on prescription drugs as a young child. And I don't know that there are a lot of long-term studies of like what ADD medicine does, you know, to a kid that's been taking it since they were, you know, six or seven years old. So can we talk about CBD for things like this versus these prescription drugs? Yes. Depending on the parent, you know, I have some parents who come to me after a child has already been through the gamut of pharmaceutical medications um, and experienced either those prescription uh, medications not working as they should or um, having side effects that then we're trying to counteract with either other medications or with CBD. So, um, you know, these pharmaceutical medications aren't without any side effects, especially uh, in terms of the ADHD medications. You know, uh, whenever as a pediatrician, I follow up patients who are on ADHD medications, you know, we always ask about how their sleep is, how their appetite is, if they're having stomach pain, if they're having headaches, because uh, these prescriptions may cause these things as well as they, they could also cause anxiety. So I have some patients who've already tried a lot of other medications and then CBD medical cannabis is kind of like a later resort or a last resort. And um, there's can other... Can we pause right there? Sure. So for sure. those for those families who are like, okay, yeah, let's then take Tommy off of this Ritalin or whatever the hell that medication is, and y'all start going into the natural CBD path, what is that transition like? What are, what are you seeing? And then what have those results been? One thing just, you know, to kind of narrow it down to ADHD is that we don't really use CBD to help with ADHD unless there's an overriding anxiety or another condition that the patient may be having. Like, for example, if somebody's super anxious and they are just, you know, constantly worried and nervous about, you know, just their general anxiety, then they may not be able to focus or concentrate. So by calming down anxiety, sometimes some people are actually able to focus and concentrate more. However, in the state of Florida, you know, ADHD is not a qualifying condition. So if a parent was to call or come in and say, you know, I would like to get on the state registry for medical cannabis for the condition of ADHD, then I would not be able to actually just only treat them for ADHD and put them on the state registry for that condition if that was the only condition that they had. However, if, you know, they said, you know what, my child has autism or my child has epilepsy and, you know, in addition, they have ADHD, then, um, you know, I may suggest certain cultivars of THC that may help in microdoses to improve their concentration and their focus. Um, so it, it can be helpful, you know, definitely in terms of that. But in, in terms of as a primary diagnosis, I, I wouldn't be able to, you know, put them on the state registry for that. But well, a lot of and times it's, uh, you know, there's other other things going on as well. It's not just only ADHD. Yeah. And you kind of crisscrossed into cannabis and THC during that explanation. Really, those are, you know, kind of two separate lanes when we're talking about parents, because the rule of thumb is until the brain is fully developed, you shouldn't be consuming cannabis that's like fully leaded, quote unquote, THC. 
But there are instances for children in pediatric medical cannabis where THC is an important option and it's balancing what the the cannabinoid levels are, how much CBD to THC and that sort of thing. And so I hear you say, you know, you have certain cultivars for different things. So what are some of those exceptions for THC use amongst children? So I use THC for some children who have very severe autism, who are self-injurious. So they, you know, may bite themselves, hit themselves, punch themselves. And they're also uh, sometimes violent to other people as well and very aggressive. So for those patients, if I saw them, I might say, you know, I'd like to definitely at least get you on the state registry so that if we want to, you know, start using THC sooner rather than later, then I I think that would be a a good option to have. And then also uh, my pediatric cancer patients, we, we do start with THC pretty much from week one. We start very low, as everybody knows, we start low, go slow. Um, And we, uh, you know, week by week kind of increase the doses of of THC. So those are the main patients. I would say we're going to start with THC right away. But for the majority of others, you know, especially seizure patients who are more mild on the spectrum, uh, who aren't self-injurious or aggressive, you know, I, I usually just start only with CBD first. Excellent. Thank you for that. So when people think about children and THC, you know, I can imagine someone's driving down the road right now and, you know, they're seeing their nine-year-old smoking a joint or something. It's, you know, there are so many different methods of consumption and, you know, whether or not it's a gummy format, something that kids are used to eating or as a tincture or sublingual that goes under the tongue. Are there certain formats that you find parents are more comfortable with? Or what are those kind of stigmas that parents come in with when you say, okay, we're going to give your child THC? Right. I pretty much always start with tinctures, just because it definitely brings it back to a more medical route. Here in Florida, also, we also have capsules as well, but I prefer tinctures just because we can start at much lower doses. We can gradually adjust the the dose more easily than we can with capsules also edibles for for some patients. Now, you know, it's actually a more recent legalization here in Florida to to get edibles available. And uh, so I do have some patients who also use that and also find it uh, for ease of use to, you know, if they're out and they need something right away to to have something handy rather than dealing with a, a tincture. Also, I have patients that we use a cannabis inhaler with. So it, it looks like an asthma inhaler, and you're getting the immediate relief, uh, as you would with either using a vaporizer or, you know, flour, uh, smoking flour, but uh, in a much more medical way, you know, using it with a, an, an inhaler. And for those children who may not be cooperative, whether it be, you know, they're starting to have an episode and, uh, you know, they're severely autistic, I also will uh, prescribe, uh, it's called an aero chamber with a mask so that Parents would be able to spray the medication into the chamber and hold it on with a mask to the face so that the patient could breathe it in. Or, you know, if a, a patient is starting to have a seizure and they're, they're not able to really, you know, coordinate the puff and the inhalation at the same time. So those are the main ways. There's also uh, transdermal patches for those kids who would be okay with keeping a patch on. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, like, uh, good <laughs> luck with that. <laughs> yeah, some of the older kids are okay with it. They even have yeah. 72 hour patches with the 
CBD and also THC that's delivered over a 72 hour period, um, transdermal gels, and then topical, you know, especially for children who have pain in certain areas, or uh, I've had a, you know, a cancer patient who had scarring on the head after brain surgery, and the mother felt that it really improved the healing of the scars as well. Outstanding. You know, there's so much controversy around cannabis and pregnancy, and I know you're a pediatrician, but what are your thoughts around a pregnant woman like that is under a lot of stress or whatever? Because we know that whatever stress the mom feels, the child is feeling in some form or fashion. And, um, you know, whether or not that's just CBD only or high CBD, low doses of THC. You know, whenever I see an adult female patient ask that they're pregnant, of course, and uh, I usually do recommend CBD uh, in pregnancy for, you know, if they're feeling nauseous or having uh, morning sickness, um, because it, it can help with that. So if they're regular THC use, so I, I don't recommend for regular THC use as they had prior to getting pregnant, just because it may lead to, um, you know, a preterm delivery or a, you know, a smaller, uh, for just gestational age baby. So I, I do, I, I don't really, you know, recommend for a pregnant patient or breastfeeding patient to, uh, use THC on a regular basis. So I really just, you know, say let's go for CBD. And also I do believe in the anti-anxiety effects of CBD as well. So that's, that's kind of the direction that I lead my patients who are pregnant. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, taking a full spectrum version of your CBD, do you find value in that? I think that would be the best option because you're still getting a touch of it all. Right, right. Yeah, that trace amount of THC, I would not worry. If it's a hemp-based product, less than 0.3% and uh, marijuana derived CBD, less than 0.8% THC, it's, it's a very trace amount. So I would not be so concerned about that. Um, especially if it is something that's going to help the the mom and she's not going to have to take, you know, anti-vomiting medications and everything and save her from that or save her from having to go into the hospital to get you know, IV hydration. I, I do think that it could be for sure of use for, for pregnancy in that sense. Now, you are part of the Society of Cannabis Clinicians and cannabis doctors are kind of creating a brain trust around the country to help each other, um, you know, serve patients better because there's not a lot of you out there. So talk to me a little bit about how y'all work together and, you know, how you went from being a regular doctor to a, you know, cannabis focused doctor. So, uh, you know, I practiced for almost 20 years as a pediatrician and when Florida became uh, legal for medical marijuana, you know, kind of motivated me to, to start learning a little bit more, as well as the fact that a few other physicians had approached me to consider to start a medical marijuana clinic. So in that, in that way, I visited some other physicians in other states who where they had already been legal for a while, uh, a doctor up in Michigan, and then uh, actually a close friend of mine in Oregon who had already been practicing for about seven years. And when I saw the way that they were approaching patients and how they were helping them, um, how it wasn't about just, you know, giving somebody a card and letting them loose (laughs) 
to try, you know, to figure it out on their own. You know, that really interested me, and especially with its applications to pediatrics and, uh, you know, the results that I saw um, and some of the patients, that, you know, that are more out there in, in terms of like, the, you know, with seizures and everything and, and how helpful it had been to them that, that really, you know, inspired me to kind of pivot a little bit and, and change a little bit of directions, even though I'm still doing pediatrics as well. I found that, you know, in this journey over the past four years that other doctors have been extremely helpful and forthcoming and welcoming to new doctors like myself. I've been now practicing for four years here in Florida. But even even now, there's doctors who are uh, out in California who have been doing it much longer than I have since, you know, it's been medically legal since 1996 out there. Uh, doctors such as Dr. Jeffrey Hergen, rather, and Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, also who are members of the Society of Cannabis Clinicians. Um, and they have really been so helpful with their expertise uh, since they've, you know, really had a lot more patients than I have. Uh, they, uh, they've been actually extremely helpful to me. And down here, there's another physician, a pediatric ICU doctor, Dr. Eric Exelbert, who he and I also, you know, collaborate. We actually have a patient in common, a pediatric patient who has uh, cancer as well. And so you talk about you learning from these other doctors. What about when it comes to stuff like new cannabinoid discoveries or like recently I was reading about CBDV and how, you know, that was something that, um, oh, GW Pharmaceuticals, you know, mm -hmm. they're doing like a long form clinical trial around CBDV. So, you know, when it comes to things like that, where the research is few and far between just because of the state of our world and federal legalization. So can you talk about some of these up and coming cannabinoids or how y'all are sharing that kind of brain trust info? Right. You know, Dr. Goldstein has really helped me a lot with beginning to use uh, CBDA, THCA, and CBG in my patients. And also, uh, you know, the Society of Cannabis Clinicians also does have teaching webinars for doctors. And I've learned a lot through those webinars and through Dr. Goldstein. And I've found a lot of success, um, especially with CBDA uh, in my patients with uh, seizures and also with autism. So that, that uh, cannabinoid in particular has been especially helpful. I've seen some pretty dramatic decreases in uh, seizure frequency with, with that, along with CBD. Um, a lot of times we will combine uh, CBD, CBDA together, or CBD and CBG. Uh, I use that more for my autistic patients. You know, what's great about those is that they're not psychoactive, and it's easier for patients to, to take those along with CBD. Yeah, and I take a combination of cannabinoids as well in my own regimen. I'm curious when a patient is having a seizure. My stepmom always talks about the time she saw the video of someone having a seizure and like a topical rollerball going over the bottom of their feet and then, you know, the seizure stopping quite instantaneously. And she's just like, how is that even possible? So what are you finding? What's the best application for 
um, seizure patients? Well, there's a couple different ones. Uh, you know, one that has been around a little bit longer that actually was available here from the start is the nasal spray, Kenetol, um, that with one spray delivers about five milligrams of THC. Um, so some patients have tried that. And like I mentioned, the cannabis inhaler as well. Now, did you say THC or is it CBD? That, that's actually THC. And uh, the for the seizure. Yeah. So some okay. patients have tried that. I ha I've actually seen better results, though, with the cannabis inhaler than with the, the nasal spray. Um, those are the main immediate. I haven't really been using topical as an immediate rescue kind of medication for seizures. So it's been more through inhalation. Yeah, because I mean, when I think about the bottom of our feet, there's like, what, 50 layers of epidermis, whatever the hell it's right, called. Right. <laughs> I'm not the doctor, it. but you know, like it's harder for things to absorb through your feet. And I've also been around someone having seizures before. And I know that trying to give them any sort of medication would be extremely challenging. So, right. you know, that's why I'm curious, like, is it putting something under the tongue? But you know, like, yeah, it, it is hard. I mean, some patients who have seizures do have an aura ahead of time. Uh, so for those patients, sometimes we, we kind of get a little bit of a warning sign and can, you know, administer. Yeah. Once right they away. are old enough to recognize to it, that, right. To tell you that. Correct. Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier in my little rant to get this party started about kids and screens. So as a pediatrician, you know, what is your recommendation and parenting advice, if you will, for kids and screens? So I, I'm a mother myself. I have two boys and I also struggle with that screen addiction, I have to say. Well, actually, I, I'm lucky to have one child who does not like screens at all. And the other child is full on addicted. And if he had his way, would just kind of walk around holding a phone in front of his face the whole day. So it's, it's hard, you know, you try and put uh, boundaries and, and limits as best they can. Uh, what I also do with my kids is I kind of uh, have them very involved in sports and other activities to get their attention onto something else, to try and help them to find something that they're passionate about besides video games or something like that. So if we can uh, get them excited about something outdoors or a sport, then I think that that's great. But yeah, no, it, it's definitely a struggle for most. And, and the problem with those screens, not only is it just the time spent just looking at a screen and not doing something else, but it's also the content of the screens as, as you know, the harms that have been found with lots of social media and the expectations that it puts on for, for some kids that, you know, this is the way that they're supposed to be, but, you know, they're not. And it just kind of creates a lot of other, you know, mental health issues. And it also, as you mentioned, interferes with a lot of social interactions. So I think the key is to try and expose them to lots of different things so that they hopefully will find something that they really love and enjoy besides, you know, being on a screen. And uh, the other part is also trying to encourage them to actually do things with their friends and to socialize, um, you know, because yeah. it, it's hard. I mean, you, you, even with adults, you go out to a restaurant and then you see a couple just staring at their phones together across the table. So yeah, yeah, yeah monkey, adults see, monkey, do. 
Yeah. So it's uh, taking away those things and saying, okay, talk to your friends, hang out with your friends. It's not about having a little phone party. Well, and you know, I will say too, that I think it's a responsibility of the parent to even acknowledge like this is an addiction. Like Mm -hmm. I can't just take it away from them and expect them to not throw the tantrum or whatever. Like what do we do when we don't get what we want or if somebody takes away our vice or whatever? So I think CBD could be a real friend to mm-hmm. dealing with screen addiction and figuring out, I don't know what it is, whether or not it's, you know, give me your screen and give them a gummy. Right, right. <laughs> there's got to be a way, but I know that that's so much of the aggression and the tantrums that mm-hmm. kids throw these days. Yeah, it's because yeah, they have an sure. addiction. Yeah, it is. It is. I definitely have seen that and and had parents who came to me because a child is really defiant and oppositional because of having a screen taken away or the video games taken away and uh, they're not having it. So there could be other things going on as well, you know, in, in their lives that are disruptive. And especially with the pandemic, it's been really hard because you know, being isolated, that's one thing that the children have access to is their screen and they have to be on their screen for school. And that's their only communication yeah. with their friends during this time, you know, whenever the pandemic is at its worst. Um, but it's it's definitely takes a lot of work. It may be easier for some parents to hand it over a screen and so they can relax and go about their own thing. But it's definitely something that we really need to do for kids is to try and get them interested in other things and so that they, they want to have more fun besides being on the screen. Yeah. In the real world, have fun in the real world. Right. Exactly. Not in the metaverse (laughs) or, you know, on social media. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you about pediatric medical cannabis that you think is important for parents to know? Sure. Um, You know, I'd have to say that one thing that frequently comes up um, that parents ask me about is what are the effects of cannabis on the brain? Because, you know, when we were growing up, there was a commercial of this is your brain on drugs and showing somebody frying an egg on a pan. (laughs) However, you know, there are more recent studies looking at the effects of cannabis on the brain using, you know, objective measures such as MRIs and, and studies that are you know, more rigorous and uh, scientific, showing that it does not have such a harmful effect on the brain, especially if used in a medical way. So, you know, a lot of parents come in and what is this going to do to their brain, their brain is developing. And I completely agree that, you know, I don't want a child to come in and to just have free reign, you know, some adolescents come in and, you know, they want to just be able to to use cannabis. They want a vape pen. Yeah. Right. Whenever I have a patient, you know, I have the parent as a caregiver to be the one in control to administer the medication. So it's not just, you know, here you go, use it whenever you feel like it's it's very controlled, it's measured, it's medical. And uh, the more recent studies, um, out of, you know, University of Colorado, there's, there was a, a recent study showing that it does not have 
those effects on the brain that, you know, had been, uh, you know, stated in the past with, with folder studies. So there's some newer studies that definitely don't show that. So, you know, I just want and to I, put that out there. Thank you for that. And I will add that at the end of the day, it all comes down to our genetic makeup. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are some people that have the gene or the specific allele on this specific gene that would make them, you know, more prone to having some sort of mental reaction, if you will. But most of those people have a history of schizophrenia or something like that in their family. So as a parent, you would know that up front. And that's the thing that you discuss with your doctor before you get further down that road. But for the majority of us, we don't have that. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, now you have the ability to get your genetic test done where you can see exactly how your own or your child's body, how it interacts with cannabis, you know, what your endocannabinoid system, specifically your own, looks like. So I've had that done. I had that done like three years ago. And they're consistently updating and doing more homework. And I continue to learn more and more data from that single test that I did, you know, three years ago. So there are things out there that can give parents the confidence to choose cannabis or a hemp-based CBD as a viable option for their children's, you know, wellness protocol. Correct. Yes. Well, I appreciate your time and you do take um, telehealth calls, correct? Yes, I do have some patients in other states and I help guide them with usually hemp-based CBD products. You know, within the state of Florida, though, to be able to get the medical marijuana card, I I do need to see a patient in person. But if it's, you know, for follow-ups or uh, for guidance with hemp-based CBD, I, I definitely do telemedicine visits. Excellent. So if you're in the Miami, Florida area, then you can see Dr. Wong in the flesh. Otherwise, for people everywhere else, you can have a telehealth call with Medverde. Tell me what the medical cannabis world is like. If you go into a dispensary, a medical dispensary in Florida, does it look like a regular store? Is everything behind glass? Does it look medical? What's the yes, what's the scene like? It's very, very professional here. You have to, you know, present your card. For most of the dispensaries, you can't just walk in and see what they have. You have to kind of reserve entryway. So you have to show that you're a legal patient. Uh, you can bring a companion with you, you know, if you needed to, to bring somebody. The staff are generally very, very helpful and professional. Uh, the dispensaries here in Florida also usually have a separate room. So if uh, a patient wanted to have more time to learn about the products and to sit down to, you know, really be able to spend time um, with a person from the dispensary to learn about it, they can. Uh, in private. And one of the dispensaries truly does have uh, consultations as well with with their own doctor. So if you, you know, wanted to learn more about their products, you can. So it's really good for patients here. Now, is adult use on the horizon there? What do you, what's the temperature on that? Um, I'd have to say it's probably a ways off, in my opinion. They're actually becoming more stringent 
on uh, the way that they're calculating limits, on documentation that needs to be submitted by doctors. You know, we actually, you know, it doesn't seem like that hard of a job, but we actually have to submit lots of research articles on each patient about why, you know, their condition is helped by cannabis or why their condition is comparable to one of the uh, listed qualified conditions. Uh, so they have actually been getting a little bit more and more strict on the way that they're making doctors and, and patients adhere to rules here. So I'd say it's, I'd say it's probably a little ways off for sure. All right. Good info. Thanks for the insight. All right. Well, I appreciate you very much. Tell us where can we find you? So um, you can go on my website, medverde, M-E-D-V-E-R-D-E.com. And if you have any questions, feel free to call us. All right. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thank you. Dr. Anne-Marie Wong accepts all patients and specializes in pediatric medical cannabis. That means it doesn't matter how old you are, you can have a telehealth call with Dr. Wong. I'll include more information in the podcast 223 show notes at casuallybaked.com. Now, if you learned something valuable from today's chat, I hope you're inspired to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That one small action helps other canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. As always, email your requests or canna-curious questions through the website or DM me on social. Although I gotta say, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be playing on social media, so you might want to subscribe to my newsletter. In the meantime, I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and the WeedTube. However you decide to support our highly responsible cannabis movement, thank you for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Yes, it's a high time. We had a high time together. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Jamie Humiston at PodConnects. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.